In this episode, I sit down with fitness and life coach Barbara Bruno. Join me as we explore the secrets and strategies to navigating nutrition, relationships, and life in general. Let's dig in. So Barbara, one of the reasons why I wanted to sit down to, to have a chat with you is just um, in the little bit that you and I have kind of spoken about, like just class schedules and stuff recently, learned so much more about kind of your background and just an amazing wealth of things that you have done in the past that not just relate to you know, the things that we do here at Sky Fitness, but just really interesting things that kind of have taken you kind of all over the place in, um, but, but also a lot of stuff, fitness and wellness related. So, you know, perfect guests, um, for, for the podcast. So, you know, just kind of starting out, um, you know, kind of where'd you, where'd you grow up? Well, thank you for that great introduction. I appreciate it. <laughs> I grew up in New York on Long Island. Okay. Small town, uh, Nesconset. Some people probably have never heard of it unless you live there. It's like how far out? It's uh, middle of the island. Okay. North Shore. Okay. So not too not too far. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, big family. Oh, nice. Big family. My parents were originally from Canarsie, from Brooklyn. Oh, okay. And they called me the country baby <laughs> because I was the only one born on Long Island. Okay. Everybody else was born in the city? They were. Okay. I'm the youngest of four, so I was the only one who was born out there. Everyone else got to enjoy some years in Brooklyn before they moved out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you like New York? I did. I, I loved it. How I long were you there? 32 years before moving here. Oh, wow. So you had a whole other life, just kind of like like myself and, and, a, and a bunch of us here, um, you know, that are transplants in the Myrtle Beach area, you know, had whole lives and then decided, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. Then like, <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> wow. So um, uh, in terms of kind of like what you, you did growing up, like um, sports? Dancing. Dancing. Dancing, okay. that was my thing. I could see that from your classes. I could yeah. see where that would. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of dance? I did tap dance, ballet, jazz classes. I absolutely loved it. I was eight years old when my mom decided to enroll me in classes. I wouldn't stop dancing around the house. <laughs> Needed an outlet. Yeah, but I used <laughs> it's funny because I used to watch her and her friends do the Jane Fonda records. They play the records. That's oh, how wow. far we're going back. Holy cow. They would come over to the house. They would do that. They would watch Richard Simmons, and they would use cans metal cans like with food in it as their weights oh okay yeah so i would watch going back. yeah it's going back <laughs> and i think richard simmons just he danced a lot oh yeah he did a lot of and that was oh, like my jam okay you know i like liked what he was doing and uh so they're interesting like I, i'm thinking now that you're saying that about um exercise records and yes. like how you kind of have to visualize it in your head in order to kind of know what you can do. Yeah, no, I've never experienced yep. that. Well, it was very interesting <laughs> watching the grown-ups and I remember my mom said a few choice words trying to do <laughs> what the record was telling her to do. So, yeah. Okay, so that was kind of your first introduction to like uh exercise and um uh, how it gets taught, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, interesting. Uh, again, not something that you've seen past the the eighties, I would imagine. No, no. <laughs> so I remember that very, very well. And uh, you know, I guess I'm dating myself, but I was, you know, an eighties kid. Mm -hmm. I Same. born in the seventies. 
mm-hmm. 80s kid though grew up then and uh, dance was my thing I loved it did you I, do like competition dance like and like was it something that you did just when you were younger or did you just carry that all the way up through you know high school I carried it all the way up through high school through my senior year mm-hmm. and back then we didn't really have competitions and I was told by the owner of the dance studio I was in, she told my mother that I would never be a rocket because I was 5'3". <laughs> well, yeah. So I, you know, and I didn't want to be a rocket. I just loved dancing. Mm-hmm. But that's the type of studio I was in. Mm-hmm. It was competitive within itself. So I wasn't, okay. I wasn't in their market, so to speak. I was one of the shorter dancers. Mm-hmm. And not passed over, I did do some of the opening numbers and some of the shows. But it was clear to me that at that time you had to be like five foot six to sure. advance. Yeah. But it didn't let it didn't stop me. I was even tap dancing well into my twenties, private lessons. Oh wow. Loved it. Um, came here when I moved here to Myrtle Beach. I've been here 17 years. My daughters were dancing. Mm-hmm. Even back in New York, I was their teacher at times. I would be um, not their teacher, teacher, but the helper in the sure. class. I would go sure. in. Love doing that. So when we moved here, obviously, I enrolled them in dance. Mm-hmm. They loved it. Then the dance studio decided they were going to get together an adult competition class. Okay. So I was in it. Oh, I was wow. in it. I'm like, I'm in, I'm in. I was in my late 30s. So I'm telling people you can do this yeah. no matter what age if you have that passion. Yeah. I enrolled in it. We competed in Showstoppers, nice. which is a big national competition. Yeah. And we came in with double platinum. Holy cow. So. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. Nice. So now I dance in my classes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That I've definitely seen. And, and that's actually something that um, is different from everybody else that everybody loves. So I will definitely say keep that up for sure. Yeah. And we're looking to add more dance classes just, you know, for that reason and others. But um, yeah, definitely something that I think kind of faded out of exercise classes a little mm-hmm. bit. I agree. Um that is starting to come back. You know, we still have like the hip hop type classes, but they're still like, you know, either you do, uh, it's a hip hop dance class or it's an exercise class. So like the combination of the two kind of like faded away for a while, but I think it's something that, um, especially the older crowd mm-hmm. is looking to to do more of. And I think you'll get, you know, more of, you know, just any of the, the age groups if you do it right, obviously. Right. Yeah. I mean, if it's just, you know, just dance, then <laughs> you'll get a certain crowd, but like in the gym, right? Like if you're mixing up and making it interesting you know you can pretty much get people to come to any class as long as it's not boring I would say right I agree I agree and putting some humor into it helps well yeah and well you have to have the personality for to to be an instructor like that that's you know always the way it's part of why I don't do it but I just don't have the um the energy like the that level of charisma like uh, combined with exercising at the same time like yeah mm-hmm. I could never kind of keep up I don't think and I'm not a dancey person right 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 <laughs> <laughs> my daughter did dance not that was the one thing I didn't do I was the sports kid that like took you know did every sport known to man but mm-hmm. somehow um my daughter didn't do any sports and was all about dance though so my experience with dance really just comes from the recitals and things that I I sat through with <laughs> and that's great that's good support <laughs> yeah. it is. I was just happy she was doing something honestly, right honestly <laughs> but um so then uh you know I, I, the other thing you know other than just being you know having a background in um you know all of the exercise and wellness that we're going to talk a little bit more about but just um very academic you know, mm-hmm. from what I can tell from our conversations, you know, your, your resume from being hired and just like online kind of research stuff. So um, what did you major in in school? 
I majored in English. Okay. What yep. made you do that? Pick that one. I love to write. Okay. And that was something else that was a passion of mine from when I was younger. I still have journals of mine from mm-hmm. when I could start writing. I love telling stories. Uh, I am the youngest of four, so I've had nieces and nephews. Mm-hmm. From a young age, I was seven when my first nephew was born. But as they got older, I would make up stories for them. Okay. I would write them little children's stories, funny things, Mm -hmm. um, songs that were goofy. But writing really was always a passion. And, you know, English just seemed the way to go. And in college, I have to say, I must have switched my majors about five times. (laughs) What were the other options? Uh, I was actually, when I was... Accepted into college, I was accepted pre-med in chemistry. Okay. So I did love that. I love science. But after six weeks of not being able to really eat much or sleep much (laughs) or do much, I knew that just was not for me. Yeah, no good balance there. Right. So I was in um, psychology. So I minored Mm -hmm. in psychology, which I think helps me with the relationship work that I do now with health coaching. English, and I was in the theater for a while. Okay. So those things combined, I think, really helped me come out of my shell and create what I'm doing today. It's funny because, um, you know, out of all of the episodes that we've done so far, like the the one recurring like part of it is the psychology piece, believe mm-hmm. it or not, out of everybody that I've spoken to. Um, and it's uh, whether you're an entrepreneur or um, you're looking to be a coach of any kind or a teacher, like that is like this skill that kind of just, you know, runs through all of that as kind of what uh, drives a little bit of the success, it seems, just out of the conversations that I've been having and then just also out of personal experience. And, you know, I've, excuse me, said this in other uh, episodes that um, I think it's like, something that we should teach more of, honestly. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think if more people in the world like learned about personal and group dynamic psychology, the world would be so much a better place. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I agree. I agree. I mean, just understanding yourself for Mm -hmm. for starters, it it helps, right? Like, and then you can understand, if you understand yourself, then you can understand how other people react to things. And then, you know, the the sociology aspect of it's just, you know, magnifies it from there, which obviously I also studied a bunch of psychology, as you can tell from mm-hmm. this yes, speech. Yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think it's so important. And um, I know that you all use so much of it in uh, the coaching of the classes and then just in all of the other mm-hmm. stuff that, that you're doing um, uh, coaching wise, it's it's got to be critical in all of that. Um so English, so that, that kind of makes sense. Like when um, I look at, you know, you've written a few books um, and some of your background there. So when did you write your first book? My first one was in 2015. Okay. And it was while I was becoming an integrative nutrition health coach. Okay. I decided I really wanted to put something together in simple, defined terms that anybody can read and anybody could practice, pick up and do for themselves. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make the health and wellness arena more friendly and less confusing for people. So I decided I was just going to do a book like so people could have a health coach in their house. Nice. So that was my first book. And um, it's called Take Back Your Life, One Relationship at a Time. Mm -hmm. So I go into relationships, into nutrition. There's some recipes in there, how to get good sleep, how to 
stress less and some of the things that I've done online, like we did uh, no technology day in the house. It was tough for the kids. Oh, sure. I'm going to say it really was. It was tough for the kids. But I had posted it on social media in a group. A lot of people had joined it. And we all took that oath to do the no technology day to see how much you can make making memories. It's about making memories with the family. Yeah. Putting down that technology, resting, being in the moment Mm -hmm. and being present. And we did it. And so in the book, I go into, there's a few quotes from people who said, you know, told me what they had done and how they enjoyed it and what it really brought to their families. So that's something that I felt was important, you know, important to put in the book Mm -hmm. just to give people another idea. You could de-stress by just taking a break. It's okay to put everything down. Yeah. So... How, yeah. how do you kind of make um, that transition from being, you know, ultimately graduating with an English degree, mm-hmm. you know, and then obviously making the book make it, writing the book makes sense, but um, to the topic that you ended up um, writing about, you know, so like I imagine at some point after college, then you kind of got more involved in like the fitness and, and wellness kind of um, aspect of it. Yes. So what was the genesis there? I was unhealthy. I got to the point where I was overweight. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroid disease when I was 30. And, you know, doctors tell you, you're never going to lose the weight. You're always going to gain weight. You're going to be unhealthy. You're going to be tired all the time. You're not going to want to do anything. And I refused to accept that. Yeah. I refused. I'm not my disease. That's what I tell everybody. You're not your disease. And I refused to accept that. Mm -hmm. So I started exercising more. Uh, when I moved here, I found a Zumba class. Oh, nice. And Denise Sanders had been teaching it over in the Carolina Forest Recreation Center. So I had met her, had taken her class. I was at the front of the class because I just love the dancing. <laughs> and um, even when I was pregnant with my son, I was 39. He was my fourth child. And I was doing Zumba, and she had, she had spoken to me about becoming a um, group fitness instructor, Okay, getting my Zumba certification because I loved it so much. So I said, why not? Here I am, big and pregnant. I'm going <laughs> to go ahead, and I'm going to do this. Like, nothing's going to stop me, just like that yeah. thyroid disease was not going to stop me. And with him, I was actually 206 pounds by the time I gained birth. Wow. I couldn't – we try to keep the thyroid under control. Mm-hmm. But two weeks before I gave birth, I was still doing Zumba. And Denise told me, please do not drop that baby out on the floor. <laughs> She's like, keep that baby in. <laughs> yeah. But during that time, I went and I got my group fitness certification. As you know, it's it's a tough certification. Mm-hmm. It takes at least six months. Mm-hmm. I was about five months pregnant when I got my Zumba certification. Then I was about seven months when I had to do my final exam for the group fitness. Holy cow. And it was at the college at Coastal yeah. Carolina with all the college students. <laughs> So there I am, and they're all the looking at me like, with all the kids, yeah, like, okay, what is this lady doing here? This is a joke. Yeah, but I was able to do all the modifications mm-hmm. and teach them some. Yeah, which is an important part of it. Yeah, right. So that really was the catalyst. And so we're talking ten years ago when I got really serious about it. Didn't let anything stop me. Um, I even after my son was born, five months later, I was separated from mm-hmm. my um, almost eighteen-year marriage, okay. which kind of puts you in a little depression to begin with. And I had yeah. postpartum. So you got a lot going on at that particular moment yeah. in time. Yeah, and all and at that time, I was taking care of a family. Yeah, I actually put everything on hiatus those eighteen plus years to take care of a family. Mm-hmm 
raise all the kids, stay yeah. at home, do the errands. But now I'm like, what am I going to do? I had had, but I had the certification. And um, Dean Vinson over at the Y, she was the coordinator at the time. I put my application in, and she knew a little bit about my story. And she said, you know, she brought me in, showed me a stack of applicants, and she says, I'm giving you a chance. Nice. And she really gave me my chance to teach. And I taught Pio back then. I was a beach body instructor too. Okay. I became that's when I became a beach body instructor. Okay. And I had taught Pio and she really it you know, you always hear like so you, they did, wanna, you, did you start with Zumba and then kind of go from there? No, I started with Pio. So I didn't even get the, to teach a Zumba class. Okay. Yeah. Never even taught a Zumba class. Never got to teach one at that point, but went right into Pio because they wanted that Pilates and that yoga mm-hmm. infused, which was that was my saving grace. I have to say at that, you know, time of turmoil, doing that kind of movement, mm-hmm. my body needed it. It yeah, got I could me. see that being grounding for yes. everything that you had going on for sure. Very grounding and teaching it. And I honestly, I still had a lot of that weight on me. So I was very self-conscious. I'm like, they're going to look at me. How is she a teacher? How is mm-hmm. she an instructor? Sure. What does she think she's doing? You know, but that nobody did. I was judging myself more, and yep. I had to let go of the judgment. Mm-hmm. And I love teaching it. I taught for a few years there, and um, I loved it. I love doing that. So yeah, that's how and, it got and me. So in. like just being kind of in your nature, just got certification after certification yep. after certification. And then came when I was teaching Pio. Then I, I said, you know, there's got to be more because you know how Beachbody they have coaches mm-hmm. and they do certain things. But I'm like, no, there's something. Something's missing. And mm-hmm. my friend Megan, she had um, introduced me to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Okay. And I said, I want and I need to know more. Mm-hmm. So I enrolled in the health coaching program. So you didn't even go to, um, so obviously you got personal training certification, which there's like a nutrition component to the it. group fitness. Yes. Yeah. But um, so then you didn't do go to like nutrition coaching. You just went right to right into know, like it, right over to, over the top, and let me just dive head first in. Yep. Interesting. So I did that, and while I was doing that, that's when I said, "Hey, I'm going to write a book." And my mom said, "Hey, you're crazy." <laughs> She's like, what are you doing? Degree? Don't you want me to use it? Right. right. (laughs) She's like, what are you doing? You just came out of this. You know, you're getting divorced. You're in. You know, it was a really bad toxic situation. I'm separated. You're it. She goes, what are you doing? I said, mom. I said, God needs me to be here right now. I said, this is where He needs me to be. Mm -hmm. And she said, okay. (laughs) And can't argue with that. No. So I I did that and really love loved. Coaching, I love the relationship aspect. I love teaching. Like I, some of the things that we think other people should know, they yeah, don't. don't come natural, yeah. right? I say that about um, personal training a lot, and just you know, general like fitness and nutrition coaching, right? Like mm-hmm. the thing that, especially you know, people like us that have been you know kind of working out for so long, and like I've been a gym rat for like twenty five years now, right? So like it all seems like second nature Mm -hmm. like well of course that's what you do right and like so many people around the gym you know like are like that um and just have that thought process um but we don't realize there's how many people in the world like just have never done it and have no idea how to get started Mm -hmm. right like so as a coach like one of the more important things is like how do you start 
Like, you know, what do I do? You know, what is the first step? How do I learn? How do I even teach myself how to do these things? How do I teach myself who to talk to? You know, what kind of books do I read? You know, and then what comes next, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, half of the population will take that step and then just continue doing the same thing, right? you know, forever. Mm -hmm. And then when they stop getting the the changes, you know, throw their hands up in the air, right? (laughs) So, like, that's, like, a big part of it is just getting started in the basics of it that so many people don't don't realize or just don't even think about right like mm-hmm. if you're not somebody that works out you're like you're never going to think about it to begin with right because you don't right. want to start exactly <laughs> starting is the hardest part yeah i really believe so and then after you start don't stop yeah. you know and, and and i'm guilty i'll say oh you know mm-hmm. since my 20s you know, with all the diet fads that were out there, everything we did, we went to Weight Watchers. I saw mm-hmm. my mom go to Jenny Craig. and But after you stop doing those things, what happens? Mm-hmm. You gain all the weight back. You stop exercising. You stop walking because they're not sustainable. Right. So learning how – I think that, that year I took of health coaching, and they said it's almost like doing medical school for one year because mm-hmm. you're learning everything. Yeah. I really learned a lot about myself too and how to support – other people by not taking things personally. Yeah. Because that's where some people get stuck. Mm-hmm. They get, they think people are judging them mm-hmm. or, you know, they walk, even like here, like for example, they go into a class, somebody's working out harder than them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't work out with this person. <laughs> you know, you've seen <laughs> it. Hear them. Right. We've yeah. all seen that. And yeah. so like I try to encourage everybody, do not judge yourself by the person next to yeah. you. You are your biggest competition. And that's where my revelation was. I was being too hard on myself. Yeah. Everybody else wasn't. Mm -hmm. So. So is that kind of, um, would you say the, you know, what you take and put into, you know, all of your your coaching that you're doing? Because you're doing holistic coaching like we talked about. So, like, is that kind of what um, the the basis is, is a lot of that is just – you know, kind of get to know yourself and not compare yourself to others? Yes, absolutely. Especially women. Mm-hmm. You know, women, we do that a lot. And uh, I've seen how it can really, really cripple a person from oh, yeah. progressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's weird because, I mean, it's it, and it's not even just, you know, like you're you're born as somebody that kind of always compares yourself. It's something that changes throughout your life that, that I've mm-hmm. realized, you know, recently at the age that I am, right? Because what's hard about getting to this age, you know, which I, I, I'll tell everybody I'm, I'm 49. <laughs> Me too. I am too. So, See? You know, and, and, you know, weird shit starts to happen. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, but like one of the things that I realized is that, um, you know, for the last like however many years, you know, as you're kind of ramping up into this, you know, part of your life, um, along with none of the same things work anymore. Um, I found myself comparing myself to younger people, which is mm-hmm. you know, a, a huge mistake, you know, especially when you're in the gym. But like even worse is comparing myself to my old self, you know, and like that's one of the things that I found to be worse of all is that I'm trying to be who I was, you know, or look like 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's that's terrible, right? Like, I mean, because you're never going to be that. Like, everything about you has changed, you know, <laughs> from the ground up. It has. 20 years later, mm-hmm. there's nothing the same. You can't go back to being that. And, like, that's what I found to be the hardest part of it. But, like, once you can start to kind of accept that, 
you start to feel better in, in mm -hmm. general, right? So I imagine, um, so like in terms of coaching, you know, there's the people that are getting started, you know, like younger, there's, and then there's just people who are going through different changes that yes. I think, yeah, yeah, are kind of the, the, the people who need it probably more than anybody else, mm -hmm. right? So um, have you worked with all different kind of like scenarios, age groups, circumstances of people? And like, if so, um, uh, you know, which ones do you think uh, you work best with? I, well, I guess because I have children mm -hmm. and I guess I have, I have daughters who are in their 20s. Mm -hmm. I don't consider really working with them, but I can, <laughs> you know, there is a difference between when they come to me with certain situations sure. that they're dealing with. We've all been there. But the most of the people who gravitate towards me are my age. Mm -hmm. They're, they're like me. They've seen my changes. They've seen my transformation. And they want to make that change for themselves. Mm -hmm. So I really have to say most of the people that I've worked with are, you know, in their 40s. Mm -hmm. Some of them are in their 30s, but mostly in their 40s. And what I like about working with that age group is we're at the point where we just don't care anymore. <laughs> we're ready to accept ourselves. Yeah. Uh, some, some people are take a little bit longer. Yeah. But we're we are who we are mm -hmm. and it's a nice age to be at. I mm -hmm. like working with this age group. Mm -hmm. But there's still you know there's still relationship work. There's still oh, other sure. things happening for Probably them. Probably more relationship work than anything else, I would guess, yes. right? Like cuz you know, as we get to this age, it's like relationships something you know, like everything else get weird. Yes. <laughs> and if they've been in the same frame of mind and the same type of relationships over and over and over, they're like, something's got to change. Mm -hmm. And most of the time it's them. Mm -hmm. It's the way they're oh, looking, sure. it's the way they're looking at things or the way they're approaching things. And it's sometimes like we're, like we said before, it's that simplest thing. Mm -hmm. Like, wow. Like the one thing I'll never forget my mom had told me was, uh, years and years ago, I know, um, like I said, I'm the youngest of four, but so you got a, you have a lot of dynamics in the house and everybody's mm -hmm. personality is different. So she had gone through a few things with my sister and um, with my dad just trying to work on that relationship. And mm -hmm. the person she was seeing, the therapist said, your husband is not a mind reader. <laughs> and that was the one thing she said on that. And she passed that on to me. One thing she said, I will never forget because it's so simple but yet it's not because you think that person yeah. should know exactly how you're feeling and, you know, why are they driving right. you? We live together. Why don't you know? Right. Yeah. And they really don't know. And that's when you start realizing, oh, you know, I have to open up that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I will say, like, it is one of the things that, like, I I do that not everybody else does, which is, like, and I've learned it just um, through career-wise, really, is, is more of, of where I learned it from. But, like, you have to say things out loud. Mm -hmm. You know, so, like, I'm the person that's like, okay, I'm going to say this out loud just because, right? Like, and then – but you find that, like, it just uh, – it helps so much because it just kind of takes it off the table. Like now, like you're not guessing if this person knows, you know, they've heard you say it. And, you know, once you could kind of get to, I'm going to say basic things out loud, then you can start to say, well, I have this is how I feel out loud, you mm -hmm. know, and like that kind of stuff. But like, I think to your point, um, originally, like the, it starts with being self-aware, which I, I think the majority of the population isn't. <laughs> Right. I agree. No, I agree. <laughs> like, because and you think they are. Easy. Well, you assume that but they are. Not. Like, especially if you're somebody that is right. But it's hard to be self-aware. It's not. Um, I don't think. Um, you know, 
some people are probably born with it, but like not natural, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I find it to be like hugely important because like just knowing how you contribute to everything around you is kind of the the basis of of any kind of relationship whether it's personal professional you know whatever it may be right so um mm-hmm. do you find that that's kind of the first thing that you start with and it's like the hardest thing to get people to um kind of come around to when you're working with them yes and it's usually not the first thing they come to me to work on but mm-hmm. it winds up becoming the basis of what they work on. They mm-hmm. normally they'll come to me let they want to work on nutrition, losing losing weight, number sure. 1, losing weight, nutrition, let's get back on track, meal planning, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But and as we're going through our sessions, then you know, I ask those questions about so you know, how's your day? What's new and good? Mm-hmm. You know, what, you know, what, what was happening for you this week? And then they'll start telling me about that. So tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. And that's where they finally do their deepest. Some people don't want to go deep. Yeah, sure. And some people dig really deep. Do you, do people um, typically come to you like knowing that they're getting kind of that full package or do, a lot of times it really is, you know, just uh, like fitness and nutrition, like, and then, you know, that kind of comes after the fact? Or do you kind of look at it like is an all or nothing kind of equation? They they do know. Okay. But I personalize everything for them. So if they aren't ready to talk about the relationship aspect, we just work on nutrition and mm-hmm. fitness and we can lead into that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's all about them being comfortable and working on what's most important to them in that moment. Mm-hmm. So do you have like any kind of like tricks or like tools that you use to kind of get people to like start to be self-aware? Well, no tricks, no tricks, just giving them, you know, talking about, um, like I said earlier, not taking things personally. Mm -hmm. So I'll give them my book, tell them to read through it because it has a lot of those relationship Mm -hmm. things in there, how to open up conversations with their significant other, with Mm -hmm. their children, with people around them. I talk about the ripple effect, like, hey, how, you know, everything we does, like you were saying before, to that point, spreading Mm -hmm. We spread whatever we drop in that pond. (laughs) And then I recommend some other books. I'll, um, what is it? The, is it the four agreements or the five agree? I forget. Okay. No, it was four or five. But uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer, he was my eye opener when I first started with health coaching. And I had watched him on on YouTube. Mm -hmm. There was a series. And the things he said, I'm like, wow. I'm like, wow. So sometimes I will open, you know, say to the power of intention, it was called being intentional with the things we say and how we live and learning that we all come from the same source. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's still hard for me and everyone else that, you know, when you see other people, how can we all come, you know, but it really was a big eye opener for me. Mm -hmm. So it's not for everybody. Everybody's different. But I do recommend Dr. Wayne Dyer, any of his books, are they're great, especially um, Excuses Be Gone. Okay. I do that with a lot of my clients. There's no excuse. And, and I don't mean that in a mean way. Yeah. I mean, like, instead of saying, you know, make an excuse for why you couldn't do something, just be honest. Yeah, just decide why you didn't do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or say, like... I really don't feel like going today. Let's do it a different time. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, holidays are coming up. Everybody gets pressured. 
Yeah. You know, and they'll be like, well, instead of, you know, they don't want to say, say your aunt uh, Susie wants you to make this <laughs> yeah. crazy green bean casserole. Well, aunt Susie, I really don't like green bean casserole, but let me do this for you instead. A green mm-hmm. bean and like green bean, onion, tomato, <laughs> certain, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So I think, and it's avoidance. Sure. So not that it's a tool or trick of mine, but we talk about avoidance because that is uh, very big with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that really ruins a lot of relationships. Yeah, like it, it's funny listening to you, to you say that. Like I, it's definitely, um, again, like something that like I've learned to do that like not um, everybody does, which is just not make excuses. And if something is your fault, something is your fault. Like I did it. Yeah. That's me. I'm like, I did it. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Hey, I did that. I totally screwed that up. My bad. Like, let's make it right. Let me see what I can do. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, just take responsibility and accountability for it, which, you know, is again, something that like we lack more and more of, I think. Um, And I think a lot of that comes down to that just, you know, being self-aware part. But like, I think what most people don't realize is how like, almost liberating it is Mm -hmm. to be that way yes right like it's to me it feels so much worse to have to make up a story Mm -hmm. or like point a finger and then like defend why i'm you know accusing somebody else or blaming somebody else as opposed to just look i I screwed that up this uh, this is what i did i'm an idiot you know like (laughs) and just but i'm gonna be the person also that cleans it up and and fixes it right right liberating Mm -hmm. like absolutely just in any of those anytime like something like that happens and it's funny because I always make the joke too of you know um you know you'll find a lot of people that want to prove you wrong right like want you to be wrong you know or like want it to be your fault and then I find that they're expecting then that you're going to fight about it and you're going to either blame them you're going to blame somebody else and it's going to like turn into a game but then when you say yeah, no, I totally screwed that up, and it was totally my fault. Like, it's just completely deflated, and there's nowhere else for them to mm-hmm. go. They're like, wait, what? Because <laughs> you're just kind of, like, taking it off the table. Like, yeah, like, I'm owning it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Say what you're going to say. Very like, true. You know, and it's just, to me, to me, it's so liberating, and I think if more people tried it, they would see, you know, how much better it feels mm-hmm. to be that way. Because right? there's no shame in it, and I think that's yeah. what it leads to. They feel shameful or guilty or judged. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I was that person over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I made excuses for my life, excuses for my relationship, excuses for why I didn't do things. Mm-hmm. And after leaving the situation I was in, all of a sudden learning, like reading excuses be gone and right. taking accountability, like you said, it was so liberating. I was such a I've been such a different person for the past 10 years. It's a weight was lifted off of me. And like literally like my weight Mm -hmm. came off of me too, because I was not making excuses for that wellness and fitness part either. Yeah, It was like, okay, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to have a routine. I'm going to wake up in the morning. This is what my day is going to look like. And I stuck to that. It's consistency. Mm -hmm. People say it's willpower. No, it's consistency. Yeah. And lifestyle, just like not looking at it like it's temporary. Right. Right. Like I'm going to make this change and I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. This is now me. Right. Like not looking like I'm going to change a circumstance, but I'm actually going to change me. Is right. Probably a big part of that. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes it's hard for people to do that because they don't want to mm-hmm. see that ugly side of them. We all have it. It's all there. Take accountability for it and change it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, a lot of people don't like change, too. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's the reality of it. You know, so, you know, they'll be willing to change little pieces, but, like, <laughs> I don't want to change, you know, like, in general, when really that's what's necessary and really what you need to do if you're going to be, you know, happy and, you know, fix all the rest of the stuff that, that mm-hmm. you're wondering is wrong, right? Very true. I noticed, you know, we, we talked a little bit about um, you have a little bit of background in improv. Is that something that, like, you kind of always did or like is this something that came after you kind of had this this new you know uh, uh, change in your your lifestyle and, and outlook well it actually came before that which was surprising because I was very shy don't like being out in the public <laughs> I'm the type of person who likes to be in the background helping sure. out and yeah, make you know teamwork <laughs> let's do this but when I I saw an advertisement for is when I first moved here about 17 years ago, 16 years ago. And I said, I want to do this. And my ex-husband looked at me. He's like, no, you're not. You're crazy. You're not going to do that. <laughs> like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And my parents got the lessons for me as a birthday present. Okay. So I had gone and I loved it so much. I wound up becoming one of their regular performers when they had shows what in the area. What made you think you wanted to do that? Like, cause I think about like you, the way you described yourself is exactly how I am. Right. But I can't ever see myself doing that, you know, like doing, like going on stage and doing improv is like, no, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, w- was there something that kind of, you know, made you say like, Hey, I, I, I can do that and I want to do it. Or do you think it, was it just like always like simmering there and you're not really as much of an right. introvert as, as you think you are? Right. <laughs> and I, I think you're right. I think that's, I had, pulled myself back into the shell for years. Mm-hmm. And when I look recently too, the past two years, I've looked back at myself as my childhood. I was always laughing. I was always smiling. Mm-hmm. I was always dancing, performing outside, singing little orphan Annie songs, mm-hmm. you know, doing that with my cousins <laughs> and making up these games. I'm like, where was she? Where was this person? Mm-hmm. And I did the improv. And what I loved about it was its teamwork. If, oh, wow. Okay. Like if you... You have to make the person on stage with you look good. And they have to make, you know, they make you look good. You make them look good. Because if you don't make them look good, you don't look good. Right. Yeah, there's nothing that comes next. So there was that teamwork where I was like, oh, my gosh, I really, I need to beef this person up because it's like a yes end and a give and take. Yeah. Which was fun. It really became fun. I love comedy, too. I always love watching comedy shows, going to the <laughs> – I love that. I knew I'd never be a stand-up, although some of the people that I knew in improv, my friend Chris is like, you need to get on the stage. I'm like, no, I don't because I have all of you. You know, if yeah. I have my teammates, I'm great. Yeah. But I loved it. I loved doing it. It was Caroline Improv Company. I believe they are – back on the scene again, which is really nice to see. I love mm. that. I said, you know, maybe I'll go, who knows, <laughs> may even see me go back. <laughs> oh, nice. But um, that's not decided right now. It's interesting, <laughs> but I did love it. And that helped. So you liked the the teamwork aspect of it more yes. than like, um, you wouldn't go want to be on stage by yourself. It's just you liked it because you're you weren't alone. Right, right. Got it. Okay. I love making other people feel good and look good. And it just was like, hey, you know, they were shining, and I love to see people shine. Mm-hmm. I really, I, I do. It's, it's happy. I, I do, in generally, love people in general. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, like, yeah, I like to say that, but I also don't get out much. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting conversation com- combination, right? Yeah, but uh, I, that's what it was. I love the teamwork. That's why, even with teaching, I love teaching 
I guess it goes back to my younger years too with my, you know, teaching my nieces and nephews all these fun things. And now I get to be here in class Mm -hmm. doing all these fun things. And sometimes I'll be like, hey, we're going to try something new today because I know you're going to love it. (laughs) So do you like – do you like group um, coaching uh, mm-hmm. environments better than one-on-one? Or, you know, do, or do you find that now you're kind of equally happy with both? I'm equally happy with both. I like seeing, like, I love the groups because the dynamic is so different. Mm-hmm. And then I love the one-on-one because you can really see that person blossom. Yeah. The, actually, the the impact that you're making. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see it. But I mean, you see that in class too, but oh, it's, yeah. it's kind of more spread out. But like the one-on-one, mm-hmm. yeah, has got to be definitely rewarding, I would say. So um, you, you've done all this kind of work on yourself, like in the process of kind of mm-hmm. being a coach for everybody else. What would you say like the thing is um, that you still kind of struggle the most with? Sometimes, I guess, being judged. Everybody, still, I think everybody okay. still juggles with that. So I, I pull myself back sometimes mm-hmm. when I shouldn't. And that's what I, I struggle with, that judgment. Are they going to judge me? Or are they going, you know, is, is, you know, like people have that imposter syndrome. I never really thought I had imposter syndrome. What was that? Yeah. Um, basically, it's like you feel or you feel that other people are going to think you're an imposter when you're, oh, you're, when you're like out there. Right, that fake. you're not okay. real, that you're fake. And I guess it stems from the past relationships that I've had okay. and still getting, sometimes still getting over that, like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Why are you putting yourself out there? You're not going to do great. With, you know. So yes, even though, but I work on that every day and I tell and I push those voices down. I'm like, you know what? Kick you to the curb because I know I can do this. Mm-hmm. Like, so you you had a lot of, uh, in your past, then, like, people who were just, like, kind of suppressive in that way. I then. did. I, I, I did. And um, almost for about 20 years. And it was by the time I woke up from that coma, it was almost like a coma. You know, yeah. it was just like I was saying before, where did that girl go? Where did that yeah. little girl go? Where did that teenage girl go who was tap dancing and dancing across the college field and it was all kind of wrapped up in that yeah like where was she and and I actually when I was 19 uh before you know I had been involved in this relationship I was attacked by a Doberman oh it actually it grabbed my face as I have the scar here on my lip that you might be able to see it got me ripped through my lip in four places kept coming at my face and trying to get me to the ground and something inside me I I just felt like I heard a voice, you're, if you don't do something, you're going to die. Okay. So I fought back. I physically had to punch this yeah. dog in the snap to get it off for me to, it grabbed my leg. And um, it was devastating. My fa- mm. You know, for my family, they, you know, we didn't know what to do after that. I was in college. So I lost a month okay. of college, but I went back, made things up. But after that, I, I knew I'd been given a second chance. Sure. And I said, I'm going to do something with this. I'm going to do something. But then I let this toxic environment come in. Mm-hmm. So after that 20 years, I look back to that girl who recovered from that. And so it's who, like kind of compounded. Yeah, it started yeah. with that. And then now you have people. It just snowballed. Just, yeah. And even like the old friends I had had, it was just not a great environment. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was talking about the excuses and everything. Yeah. That's where it all came from. It was just culminating. And I finally just woke up one day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm like, I need that girl back who fought for her life, who said she was going to do something. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started coming out of it. Mm-hmm. 
And do you find um, this is all stuff that that happened since you moved kind of to the Myrtle Beach area. So do you find, um, you know, a big difference um, that the geography makes in that, you know, in, in yes. you know, because it's something that I, I mm-hmm. definitely um, notice and what I like about living here a lot better than living uh, in the Northeast and in, in, in New York is just it is a totally different environment and people people are different. Right? Yes. Um, and I got to imagine that that kind of helped. Um, it did. It did. Uh, I think. Well, we followed my parents down here. Okay. They've been here permanently 25 years, and I always loved the area mm-hmm. and the people. I came down here, and I, I cried for six months because <laughs> it was so different. It was so different. Even though you, very different. we yeah. vacationed here since 1988, since I was 14, I knew the area, but I did. It was it was tough. Were you looking for a change when you moved, like, yes. like a change of lifestyle, or was it like, oh, this is, you know, like you weren't kind of expecting... Right. I, I expected to slow down and it would be nicer and the air. But, you know, no matter where you go, <laughs> it depends on your mind framed oh, and sure. what place you're in, the type yeah. of people you let into your life. Mm-hmm. And I was still letting those type of people that were, you know, that I was around up in New York into my life mm-hmm. when I was here. And when I made that breakaway, things really drastically changed for me. And that was like, like I said, about maybe 10 years ago, my son's about 10, mm-hmm. about 10 and a half, 10, nine and a half years ago. And yeah. all of a sudden my environment started changing and I loved being in Myrtle beach and I love the relaxed life because mm-hmm. the people now were, you know, not like happy, happy, joy, joy people, but they were happy and positive yeah. and wanted to see people succeed and didn't, didn't have any of that, envy or negativity and so that's really what changed me it wasn't necessarily geography Mm -hmm. it was me and my choices and the people I was letting in sure yeah I mean I I I definitely think it's it's a lot easier um down here to have that kind of mindset it is um and uh it it is something that I notice in in all of the people that are around us here because there are so many transplants Mm -hmm. here we meet very few people that are actually born and raised here. Um, uh, and I'm always surprised when I do. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it's – you see some people that, that come from wherever – you know, the various different places that that end up here. Um, and a lot of them just – they're here for a reason. They're here because they're giving up the lifestyle. And I want the lifestyle that I see here that, you know, I, I kind of um, I look forward to or, um, you know, I want to be and like I was one of those people like I'm giving up the the New York lifestyle and I'm I'm coming down here. You know, I I made jokes when I was looking for where I was going to uh, move to because I, I didn't know I didn't have Myrtle Beach in mind when it came down. Mm-hmm. It was I know I want to move south um, and probably somewhere in like this range of like, you know, Wilmington, Charleston, Myrtle beach kind of area um but what i liked about it is like there's so much to do but also it does have that relaxed lifestyle Mm -hmm. and there's just so much less of the judgment and the um you know go 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 and people you know just expecting um you to be what they want you to be right it's kind of there's i guess it goes a little bit with the the libertarian kind of like mindset that that happens is like you do you right like right and that's what i love about it but you see a lot of people who come down looking for the vacation lifestyle right because (laughs) they came here on vacation and um just 
are looking for like, oh, I just want that state of Zen all the time that I had on vacation. But I still I still need to work and I still need to, you know, live the same life that I live up here, but I'm going to do it in vacation land. And like those are the ones that like come down and are just miserable mm-hmm. and yes. end up going back. Yeah. Right. And you can always kind of tell who they are. And like what I love about the people who stay here and like are, are the lifestyle people um, is – you know, everybody kind of looks at it like, maybe you shouldn't be here. You know, (laughs) it's just, it's the, the protectiveness of, you know, we all gave that up. Like we're here for a reason. Don't bring that shit down here. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, I agree a hundred percent with that. (laughs) Because when I hear people complaining, I'm like, why are you here? Yeah. Like I, why are you here? But yeah, Yeah. not in a mean way, but okay, but but maybe. I guess you're not ready. They're not ready. Right. (laughs) Or you know what? Maybe they haven't found their zen. Yeah. You know, maybe we, yeah. But I, I agree. Because when we came down here, like I said, my family was vacationing since the time I was 14. My parents had a place in Kingston Plantation, Mm -hmm. loved it there, moved here, cried. You know, because it is reality, you know, the kids, you know, had to go in into school. Your Mm -hmm. life is it's not the same. And we weren't retired. Obviously, we were a family with young children. Yeah. It's a little bit different when you retire down here, like my parents did. It is like uh, and I love love. That's the funniest thing with my students. I love talking to them because they say every day is a Friday or or every (laughs) night's a Friday. Every day is a Saturday. (laughs) And I love that for them. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, it it is it is different, but you are right. There's a lot more to do here. It is a lot laid back, and that's what I was looking for as well. I'm not a go 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 kind of person. Mm-hmm. I can be like mm-hmm. I do. I I do like to move around, but I love that I can just sit, relax, and just be. So so change topics a little bit. Uh, one of the things that um, I also um, saw that that you are involved in, and, and you and I have talked a little bit about, is um, because you have that nutrition background, mm-hmm. and um, that's a, a lot of kind of the coaching that you do, is kind of just recipes and like <laughs> making that up, right? Yes. Which I love because I, I you know I, I love to cook, right? But um, I also am not going to make up recipes though, mm-hmm. um, and even though you know you know, got into the nutrition coaching part of it, it's still not enough to say, you know, you're going to write diets, you're going to make recipes and actually kind of design meals. Mm -hmm. Like it's a whole nother level to do that kind of thing. So are you somebody that likes to cook? And is that, you know, a little bit of kind of what drives that? Or is it really just kind of that um, nutrition um, requirement that, that drives it? Right. I love to cook. Okay. I love to bake. I actually had a little cake pop business in 2010. Oh, wow. And that was nowhere nutritious. <laughs> so I, I don't really make them anymore, but if somebody, they ask me, but I've found ways to make them healthy-ish, mm. like my husband says, healthy-ish, healthier. <laughs> and uh, I, I do, I love to cook. I love to cook. He loves to cook. So we do share the cooking responsibility mm-hmm. at homes. I will just cook on the fly sometimes, pull stuff out of the refrigerator. Sure. Uh, my brother was a chef. He owned oh, nice. his own business for a while. My mother was always cooking, especially Sunday meals. We're a big Italian family. Mm-hmm. And um, just I love it. Something about it's very soothing. When I get into the kitchen and mm. I start creating something and then it turns out really, really good, I won't stop saying how good it is. <laughs> 
<laughs> Drive everybody crazy. You have to try this. It's so good. <laughs> but I'll write down the recipe. But the next time a may be like, oh, I'm not going to look at the recipe. I'm just going to, and it comes out a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I do like um, on my website, like I have one with my book just with my name, Barbara Ann Bruno, and I put recipes on there. Mm -hmm. Simple. I'm so, I want to teach people how to cook simple, healthy, mm -hmm. nutritious meals so they're not loaded with garbage. Yeah. And you can really, my big thing with, even with coaching, you can make a healthy, nutritious meal at home faster than you can go to the drive-thru and mm -hmm. pay for all that garbage. Mm -hmm. You really can. Five yeah. ingredients, simple, and it tastes great. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the other thing I find, too, is, um, you know, people don't learn how to season their food, yes. right? Like with anything other than salt and maybe pepper, mm -hmm. right? So a, a little bit of it is if you learn how to season your food with all of the other things you can season it with, mm -hmm. you don't need, you know, like the all the salt and fat. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. It, it's replaced with that. But, like, I, I think people find that terrifying, you know, just the, the thought of it too, right. you know. But, like, I'm somebody, like, you know, it sounds like you are that um, – I start off with kind of something like a recipe or like, you know, I know what I'm going to do and then um, kind of just adjust it. You know, I play with it a little bit. It's part of why I can't bake and I'm terrible <laughs> at that because I'm much more the kind of like, you know, not fudge it, but like I like to kind of experiment with it or be like, yeah, that looks good. You know, mm -hmm. so baking, that doesn't work oh, with no. that. Mm -mm. I've failed miserably. At <laughs> <laughs> and that I love to do. Yeah, that's my Zen place, and is now baking? is baking, and now I've been gluten free for two and a half years. Oh wow! Medically, I have had to be gluten free. Is that like a celiac thing, or like um, a, a different kind of? It's allergy an intolerance, just, just intolerance. Yeah, very bad intolerance. Is it something you always had, or no. something you developed? Okay, something I developed. My sister actually tested positive for one of the two celiac genes. Okay, and I was telling her what was going on with me, and she goes, "You probably have." you know, a bad intolerance you need. Mm -hmm. So I, and I had very bad pains for months on one side, kept going to the doctor. I was actually in the hospital for once for it. Mm -hmm. Like, but I'm eating well, I'm doing all these great things. Yeah. And they found nothing. So I went gluten-free and the pains went away and I felt fantastic. And I was able to once again, manage that the weight, you know, going gluten-free does not mean you're going to lose weight because yeah. people go gluten-free and they go nuts in the aisles with the chips and the gluten-free pretzels. Yeah, well, I mean, do, I, mean do, I, I would imagine, at least from what I can see about it, not that I even attempt to be gluten-free, but that it's become a little bit like another fad, like fat-free, sugar-free, like right. all that kind of other just bullshit of – you know, oh, gluten-free. Mm -hmm. Like when, because everybody's now been taught like, you know, gluten is bad, but it's not necessarily bad it's for not. everybody. No. And it's, you kind of got to know what you're talking about. And like, right. we've made this another kind of catchphrase thing that like now, you know, people look at and it's just more confusing than anything right. else. Because they're like, oh, you're gluten, you're one of those people. I said, no, I'm not one of those people. I medically need to be yeah. gluten free. And it is like it's an inflammation of the intestines due to the, you know, the gluten fibers that are in there. And I, like I said, for me, cutting out the gluten, the pains went away. It was excruciating. The pains mm -hmm. were so bad. I felt like a balloon in my side that kept blowing up like it was going to explode. Mm -hmm. And I did that. I reluctantly did it because I'm a baker. Yeah. I love, love to bake. So I still bake. Like everything I just bake for Christmas is not gluten-free, but I don't eat it, you know, but everyone loves it. So my kids are like, why do you do that? I said, because everyone else can eat it. You yeah. don't have to be gluten-free. Gluten-free should not be used as 
a weight loss program mm-hmm. or, you know, if you have inflammation, yes, it's going to help with your inflammation, sure. but so is eating whole foods. So is eating your fruits and your vegetables and your legumes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had to cut back actually on the nuts too. I, I love nuts, and but I do everything raw, raw pumpkin okay. seeds, raw sunflower seeds. Nothing is baked or toasted. Same mm-hmm. thing. Raw cashews are amazing. Oh, I agree. Right? Like, amazing. It's like my favorite. You know, like everybody else in my house is like, what is this crap? And right. I'm like, oh my yeah. God, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, but like, I'm also the one that eats my vegetables first. So like they don't pay attention to me. Oh, me neither. Me neither. But then they'll sneak it and they'll be like, oh, it's not so. I'm like, it's really good. Don't They run away from you, right? Mm-hmm. They run away from me like I'm some kind of freak. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I went, I have Mayo Clinic testing done every year at my doctor's office. They do the numbers. They run the blood work. This year I was in the green. Everything, oh, wow. they do like green, yellow, red, and they explain everything. Cholesterol, my vitamin D was finally in the green because I've been eating a whole food diet and it's mm-hmm. not hard and it's not expensive. Yeah. It's I- people, it's not expensive. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. It uh, is, if, you know, you and have it, to cook. I mean, that's really, really right. it's expensive with your time. I mean, because you, you yes. put in the effort. I mean, that's the thing that most people, you know, are missing. Is but that simple you and quick. Have to take the time. Yep. You can do um, those five minute but meals. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not like it's, it's a huge amount of time, but it's like, it's more time than pull it out of the refrigerator, put it in the microwave. Right. 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 I mean, which is what people have become conditioned to do. Um, have you found, um, so as you've kind of made this change to yourself, and then, you know, I guess this kind of goes for the people that um, you're, you're coaching nutrition-wise mm-hmm. too. Have you found um, that as you kind of cut all that crap out, like your taste buds change and like yes. that's kind of a, a big part of um, what helps you kind of to, to succeed in it? It does. And they – I think that's some of the reasons people also avoid coaching because they know – they're gonna have they're gonna have to cut things out or get and I'm like, I'm not that coach. Yeah. I'm not that coach who tells them you can't eat this, you can't eat that, you have to eat this. What I do is I say, let's add this in. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're building a lifestyle, right? So right. it's not about restriction because that's a temporary thing. Right. You know, so it's what can we live with? Yeah. Right. What yeah. can you live with? And restriction is failure. Mm-hmm. That's all it, it equals failure. I don't believe in restricting anything. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't have made all those sweets for Christmas to everyone. <laughs> but really, I I don't. I think it's it really setting yourself up for failure, mm-hmm. restriction. Yeah. I, we have a, a few uh, clients here that have said to me, which is why I asked, you know, just how their taste buds have changed, you know, after cutting the crap out mm-hmm. of their diet. And I think that's another thing that people kind of um, – like don't understand because they've never gotten to that point, right? It's kind of like how right. you don't understand the the concept of a runner's high until you get to a point where you get that, which I, trust me, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> um, but um, it, it's kind of like that in that until you get to a certain point um, of success that you've actually, you know, cut some of that crap out and, you know, are starting to kind of live that lifestyle, then you, your body starts to change, including your taste buds. And now it's like opening up a whole new world of, I don't need all of that. I don't need all the fat. I don't need all the salt because I actually can now taste all of these great things again, which, you Mm -hmm. know, as kids, we always could, but you know, the food we eat and as we get older, our taste buds change. And I think that's a, a big part of what people miss out on too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the last thing I want to ask you about mm-hmm. is um, another thing that we kind of touched on, which was that you used to run a retreat in Myrtle Beach? Yes, I, I did an annual retreat. I did one. I did once. Okay. And I loved it. It was great. It was um, just a half a day retreat. Mm-hmm. We made snacks together. 
We actually ate, everything was very healthy. The food was healthy. Spoke about lifestyle changes like we've been doing, you know, this whole time here. How, how to long was it? It was about five hours. Okay. And we breaked, we took a break for lunch, mm-hmm. which was nice. They, we had breakfast when everyone came in. We took a break for lunch and it was overlooking the ocean. It was absolutely the perfect day. Nice. It was, it was really, really nice and... And did you find people kind of, um, were these new people or yes. people that you had worked with in the past? So this is kind of like an introductory thing. Yep. It was a mix of people I've worked with in the past. I had family members come, which was fabulous because they knew what I did. But, you yeah. know, my mom always joked with me, but I'm not eating that shit. You know, I'm not <laughs> eating that stuff. Get it away from me. Yeah. And uh, they came and they loved it too. They They really, they got to see what I really did, Mm -hmm. which to me, even like I loved having the new people there, but having your, you know, your family are the hardest ones to To impress, to impress and to, you know, get on board. And they really were, they said they were impressed, but um, the new people that I met turned into some clients and we created recipes together. I had recipes there. I gave them <laughs> recipes. We created like protein bars together, but it was like nutritional protein bars that they could make and take anywhere. Habit trackers, we worked on that and how to do a food diary, why we should do it. Mm-hmm. Creating. So it's kind of like just the one day immersive course of like, this is, you know. Introductory. Yeah, like this is what you do. Right. right? This is how you start. Mm-hmm. Let's start here and let's build. Awesome. You know, building habits, and I I was teaching about, I, I call 52 changes, which mm-hmm. I think I've seen other places too, but didn't realize, you know, other people had the same <laughs> idea. But I think it's a great idea for all of yeah. us to have and pass on where you layer your changes. So every sure. week you make a positive change, and then the second week you add on, mm-hmm. and you keep the first positive change. But by the end of the year, you've made 52 positive changes. That's cool. Yeah, I like that as an idea for mm-hmm. sure. Interesting. Now I'm trying to think of how we can incorporate that into some of the right. stuff we do here. Yeah. Now the new year is coming. So <laughs> yeah, yeah you get the perfect time of year. It's the this. perfect time. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a great idea. I love the the, the retreat idea. It's definitely something that I I'd, I'd love to get um, into. You know, mm-hmm. and um, kind of build um, as part of Sky Fitness too, because I think well, more seminars in general, right? Like even if it's just an hour long, you know, kind of thing. And and I think. Um, people are open to that, right? One, because mm-hmm. it's a group thing, right? right? So they're not doing it. You know, it's not like a consult where it's like, oh, I have to go just sit down one-on-one and like now they're like really just looking at me. Um, it kind of, you got the... The, uh, the group dynamic. Yeah, the group, and, you can hide behind kind of, you know, yeah. go with your friends, you know, like kind of thing. So I love that because you get more people that wouldn't uh, come to something like that. But just even the retreat thing is just, you know, taking that even further, you know, and it's always great to give people lunch and, you know, like, uh, but you can kind of just add more into it mm-hmm. than just, you know, like a, a seminar where you're just kind of trying to pack in a bunch of information. You can actually kind of make it a little bit more fun, I would yes. imagine. And right? that's what I like to do because if you're sitting there and you're bored and you're like, uh, I, yeah, you know, I can take notes. Like, yeah. That's <laughs> and it's, I did give them, you know, things to take notes with. And some of them like, wait, can you say that again? Because, you know, you ha- yeah. if you keep it interesting, you keep the, you include the crowd. Mm-hmm. You include them. You you know don't single anyone out, obviously. Yeah. But including them, and they seem to really enjoy it. The feedback was really good. I probably should have planned another one this past spring, but you know life happens. Mm. <laughs> and I would you know I would love to continue to do that because it seemed to make a really good impact on the people who attended. Yeah, we should definitely put one of those together. Mm. I, I definitely want to do that. So last question. Mm-hmm. Um, 
who out of kind of all the people that you've you've come across in your life, um, you know, uh, whether it be family, friends, colleagues, you know, ha- had the biggest impact and it was the most influential on uh, kind of getting you to where you are today and, you know, what you think about for, you know, kind of who you want to be and what you want to do into the future? I'd have to say my mom. Okay. If you haven't, if you haven't noticed that already, my mom, <laughs> she really, she was the type, she was tough. She was a tough mom. She really was. Sometimes we were scared of her, you know, beyond words, but, but she always believed in all of us, always told me, you know, I could be whatever I wanted to be, to stand up for myself, to be who I'm going to be and not worry about what anyone else thought. When I told her about writing the book, she's like, oh, you know, when I say where I needed to be, okay. Yeah. Even now, um, all the things I've been doing, uh, told her about coming here today. She goes, that's great. <laughs> she was so excited for me and so supportive. So, I, you know, if I have to pick one person, you know, I, you know, I love my husband. <laughs> I have to, I have to throw him in there because he really is, he is one of the most super supportive men that I've ever had in my life besides my father. Okay. And no matter what crazy idea I have, my husband supports it. <laughs> so that's a shout out to him. <laughs> but yes, mom, mom is the one, um, even dad, because, you know, dad stood by mom and, mm-hmm. you know, was quiet and let her yeah. <laughs> do everything with us, but he, you know, he is very supportive too, especially when I had that accident. Okay. So, so it's the, you know, it was the support really. Family, um, family, family support. But yeah, my, my mom has always been, I call her all the time. I talk to her all the time. Sometimes I don't like what she has to say, but. (laughs) Of course, that's that's what mothers do. You know, know, but she really, she really is the biggest influence in my life. Great. Well, thanks for sitting down with me because this has definitely been um, as um, insightful as I thought it was going to be. And now we actually have even more things to talk about that we can kind of build into the future. Yeah. So thanks for coming by. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely.